Welcome back <laughs> to Statement Piece. Today we have an awesome guest, Zach Heath, who is a TikToker and student. He is only 17, but he is an excellent content creator, super confident person, and a very unique TikToker in that he creates men's beauty content. Yes, it's a very exciting episode. I really like it. But first, let's get into some current events. Yes. So today is Martin Luther King Jr.'s day, MLK Day. And we wanted to take a moment to honor him and all of the work that he's done to advance the civil rights movement. So our next current event is brought to you by the New York Times. And basically, it is in preparation of the inauguration Basically, state officials are activating National Guard troops and closing off Capitol grounds in response to FBI warnings that armed protesters and far-right groups are preparing to act in the days leading up to President-elect Joe Biden's inauguration on Wednesday. And this is including many different states. And basically, state officials are trying to prepare against the growing fear of continuing violence in the aftermath of the pro-Trump mob attack on the U.S. Capitol that left five people dead. Next, within the fashion space, we wanted to cover a very interesting insight posted by Diet Prada on Instagram. It's at diet underscore Prada. And in that review, it discusses how the Prada insignia logo buttons were back in Prada's first menswear showing with Ralph Simmons as the co-creative director. What did you think of the collection, Otis? Well, it's interesting because they really, you can tell that they really went hard in influencer marketing. Mm. A lot of influencers I saw were donning some of the pieces and received the invitation and posted it all over their Instagrams. Anything Raph Simmons touches really does end up being successful. Mm. Yeah. That is really it's- having a moment right now. <laughs> Yeah, it is interesting that there were so many pieces that had previously had been done before in the sense that it's really similar to former pieces like other Calvin Klein and Ralph Simmons pieces. So, int. And our last current event is regarding the reboot of Sex and the City. So Sex and the City will return to HBO Max titled And Just Like That. And that is a nod to one of the show's original catchphrases. More specifically, Kim Cattrall, who played the popular character, Samantha, will not be featured. Well, well, now on to the episode. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing? How's the second lockdown? Um, Honestly, it's it's difficult because now schools are shut. So I would love to be at school right now. But at the same time. It sounds crazy, but I don't mind just being in bed and just doing my work from bed. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I would rather be at school, though. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, you've been um, going in person since the beginning of the term. Uh, yeah, and then it was into a thing last week that we schools were shut. So, mm. yeah, and then I'm not sure how long they'll be shut for. I've got a feeling it'll be the whole year, but yeah, <laughs> just have to wait and see. Well, yeah, well, they are, they said um, fe- uh, February half term, but then they keep changing it, and I'm sure it will be September, probably, mm, but yeah. I'm not going to jinx that. <laughs> so where are you based out of? So I'm from the UK, from Stratford, so like an hour from London, mm. so yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's You're from New York, aren't you? And then LA. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wasn't Shakespeare born in Stratford-upon-Avon? 
Yeah, I go to the school right <laughs> next to where he, um, like where he went to school. <laughs> so yeah, it's quite quite cultural area. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Historical area. So do you think yeah. then he wrote all of his plays? Because I know that's a disputed fact. Well, he he didn't write them all. Or... Yeah. I never even knew that. Only Americans <laughs> have those crazy conspiracies. Catherine is obsessed with like British culture. <laughs> she she went abroad there. I think that's what really fortified it for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she told me she went to Oxford. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's like the craziest thing though about like British culture that you just like America from like from American perspective, you just think's crazy. Like... Um, I just think like the the slang is so funny. Like especially because <laughs> I like watch a lot of pilot. So you said that you wanted to go into fashion. Do you know like what particularly? Is there a specific medium that you would want to work in or a specific type of fashion? So, right. <laughs> I've always been interested in fashion. Since the age of seven, I was like given a book um, on fashion. And obviously at the age of seven, I didn't know what the different types of avenues you could go into. But I was like, that's an industry that really interests me. Um, and like since I started my blog I realized that I love writing personifying fashion through like journalism and I thought you know I used to want to be a fashion designer um, and I love to like create shoes and like make them um, well not make them but design them <laughs> and yeah but now I realize that I really enjoy the, like, the journalism side of it and I know with the course I want to do you, you don't just have to go into journalism there's different avenues you can go in with that but if there was one specific avenue, then it would definitely be the journalistic side. So how did you start building your social media and your blog and specifically your TikTok? I've always been interested in like how I could like build my platform. And it sounds so like crazy me to say it now, but I didn't want to post because I, I've always had it. Like since I started sixth form, I was like, I'm going to try and get head boy. And in the end, I did get head boy. So everything... I was like scared of like I didn't need to be scared of it but I was like if I post like all this makeup videos are my school gonna see it and if they see it I've got like a lesser chance of getting head boy so I wish I started back um because I started I think I posted my first one in April but I wish I like started and like regularly post from April because I only started consistently posting since September and I feel like I could definitely could have grown more so yeah I think that definitely held me back and then obviously with my fashion blog like i because I've got so much going on I literally don't write for it as much as I could do but then I don't want to overwhelm myself with so much with like mocks and everything but yeah like so I want to build that and grow that and see where that can go as well because I feel like my TikTok's more fashion and then obviously I mean more um, beauty and then my vlog's obviously more fashion so yeah. (laughs) Sorry what is head boy? Um, So head boy is the is like the position so you're like the the top within the school (laughs) <laughs> like oh. the top boy in the school um, I don't really know how to explain it so you have is like head like, boy like and head girl president? I don't know what that is is that the American <laughs> it's like, it, yeah it's like similar yeah do you know what head boy is Ita? yeah but you have like you have like specific like responsibilities as well like oh. it's not just like okay yeah know. so like my responsibility I guess is I've started a school newspaper and obviously being head boy I was able to do that but there's other stuff as well you have to do but I, I just wanted I wanted the position to like prove to myself that I could I could do that yeah and I'm glad that I did get that but then I feel like it's irrelevant now obviously your school's being shut so I wish I spent more time on TikTok and <laughs> <laughs> and, and grew on that instead of just waiting for like school to say exactly head boy but yeah <laughs> yeah good 
So how do you go about your creative process for both your blog and TikTok? For TikTok, I feel like, well, I know that like, the, the, the posts that do very well are the ones that look professional, that like good quality of like videos and like the camera quality and the sound. So I was like, I need, if I'm posting and I want to make this like a thing that I can pursue, I need to start from day one being professional and obviously over time <laughs> you become more and more professional you know what to do what not to do but I tried to start it as professional as I could do I didn't want to post like dancing videos that only got like one or two likes I wanted to post <laughs> videos that will start off well and I'm I don't have like a huge platform now but a lot of people see my videos and I think that's the most important thing like I do get a lot of like traffic and I see how many people will view it and like to me that's amazing because I never thought that would have happened and like I'm so grateful for that but um because I know that I started off well I know it will I could get bigger hopefully touch wood (laughs) if I continue to post more um, professional and quality content for sure well we actually found you because uh Sita sent me a graph that was like rising beauty influencers to look out for and you were one of them really oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're definitely doing the right thing yeah yeah hopefully <laughs> how did you first get started being interested in beauty and makeup I've been asked this question before and like the first thing that came to my head was I remember I saw my mum applying makeup in the bathroom <laughs> one time and um I thought that's interesting and I, I never like looked at it again I was just like oh that's fun and then <laughs> And then I used to be really interested in like drawing faces um, and like obviously clothes as well. So I thought if I could like recreate that on a face and I started off like my makeup, like because I was influenced by people like James Charles and Manny MUA. So it wasn't, it wasn't the prettiest, like the way, (laughs) the way I was doing makeup, but obviously I learned over time and I just got more interested from like watching not just male beauty um, influences, but also like obviously female beauty influences and just like kind of seeing how artistic you can be and like my makeup isn't artistic at all it's really natural but I still like the whole process and I think it's really therapeutic and I think that's definitely got me into it and seeing where you can go because it's like the cosmetic industry is so huge and it's such a it's an industry that so many people obviously want to know more about because they want to always focus on themselves and like improve like how they look so I know it's like an industry that's going to continue and everything like that but um that also interested me as well yeah I feel like it's good that you try to push for kind of more natural clean looks because I I think a lot of guys when they think about men wearing makeup they think it's like the really crazy looks that like James Charles often does on his channel and such. But I think if men wore makeup in whatever way they wanted to, especially natural, then they would look a lot better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like that's, that's the thing as well. Like I wanted, there's not a lot of male beauty. There's, I don't think there's any really any male beauty bloggers who focus on natural makeup. Like when Mm -hmm. you think of makeup, you think of, girls doing it or the stereotypical gay man with loads of makeup (laughs) drag queen and like even though that's great like love that I that's not me and I know there's millions of other men who want who could wear makeup like like the idea of it but don't want to go into a store because all they see in Mac is like the 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 campaigns with men wearing eyelashes and mascara (laughs) and eyeshadow and I know that can be really off-putting for men yeah, so I wanted to like create a platform. Obviously, I'm obviously I'm obviously gay, so I'm not like targeting like straight men, but I'm targeting like men who could be straight but want to like wear makeup and feel good about themselves. Um, and I haven't really seen that 
So I think that's like a niche of mine that I want to expand on. Yeah, James Charles the other day did like a YouTube video on guyliner. And so obviously I think like you must have seen as well on TikTok, there's a massive trend of like boys wearing skirts and like eyeliner. <laughs> the barriers there are like, obviously coming down with that, um, which is good to see as like obviously more men are open to it. But there's definitely, there needs to be a push for more men because I think like you can see there's a lot of discrimination towards men who want to like wear eyeliner and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> what is your routine? With, with skincare or just makeup? My skincare <laughs> so routine. Ready with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd actually love to do that. That's going to be a goal of mine. <laughs> I had like, when I first started my TikTok, I had so many comments about do your skincare routine, do your skincare routine. And honestly, I put it off because I didn't have one. I, I'm that person that just used water and called it a day. <laughs> and so, yeah, I've been sent a lot of um, skincare products recently and I'm pretending that's my skincare routine. But I don't, honestly don't do skincare. And I've noticed recently that when I have done skincare, I've got a lot of more red patches on my face. So I don't know if I should probably stop with the skincare and just stick back to my water and flannel. <laughs> yeah, with my makeup, it's literally it's very, it's basic. But I think when I was wanting to like look at makeup for me, I was looking at how celebrity makeup artists did their makeup on clients. Because... I know for like cameras, they put on a lot more makeup. So I wasn't like looking at how much they're putting on, but the techniques. So the techniques I, I love, for instance, in summer is putting on, I'm sure you've seen it, the Chanel Queen bronzer, putting that on and then foundation on top. And I think that looks really pretty on the skin, especially in summer when it's really dewy. So just stuff like that. That's my main technique, I think. <laughs> Other than that, it's just really simple. I don't do eyeshadow or, or anything. No, that's great. So what kind of stigmas do you see currently existing? Like I know you mentioned that there's a trend going on with like men wearing skirts or eyeliner on TikTok. But why do you think there's so much hate towards men who want to do that? I think there's hate because it's still obviously not normalized. More men are doing it, but it's not. (laughs) I think we we all see it on TikTok or YouTube or something because millions of people can see that. But when you actually walk down the street, I've never seen a boy wearing a skirt. I've never seen, I've not seen loads of men wear eyeliner. So it's definitely not a normalized thing within society. Like I think online is a trend because it's seen as really cool. It's seen as <laughs> really original. But I I don't know about you, but I know, <laughs> where I live, I never see men do that. Obviously, there's a, still a stigma for the boys who do do that. They will have that stigma, oh, they're gay, they're really feminine, they're flamboyant. They're not, they're not men. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think people a lot of boys would be put off from that scared of that because that's emasculating for them they want to be seen as like that that man that society like says that they should be but obviously now there's a lot less of that but there is still that especially within the older generations like my I was sitting with my grandma the other day and she was (laughs) she was like we're talking about homosexuality and she was still so against it just because of how she was brought up and like she's got dementia now so like I, I've told her I'm gay in the past, but she's forgotten. So <laughs> that was <laughs> I didn't have like any hate from her. But still, just that stigma from the older generations. I think that's preventing people from obviously expressing themselves as well. A lot less Generation Z, but yeah, I think there is still that as well. Yeah. How do you see it changing in the future? I think it would definitely change. Like I wrote an article the other day about like how femininity is changing, like masculine identity within fashion. Um, and you look at 
you look at designers like Charles Jeffrey Loverboy, Tom Brown, they literally, <laughs> they, their seasonal collections and their run ratios, they have men wearing skirts and dresses. But that, I think, guess that's always been part of the fashion industry, though you've always seen that flamboyancy. I think definitely over time, there will be less of like gender, like uh, like a gender scripts that people have to adhere to. Like if you look at James Charles' TikTok, for Christmas, <laughs> they were like all wearing dresses. So you know what I mean? Like people will see that. Oh, yeah. And think, obviously it's not normalised, but a lot more people will see that as like, change within society yeah yeah we were on another podcast recently and we were talking about harry styles on the cover of vogue wearing Mm. a dress and all the controversy that that kind of created but it's interesting to see that it's very much in my opinions only in like fashion only in entertainment and very much the music industry like definitely as much as we see it like i loved seeing like all of Tom Brown's newest collection and stuff like that and seeing that all over social media and people saying like, oh, we're seeing more of gender fluidity, but I think it's more normalized for women to wear men's clothing, for example. It's not so much the other way around. And yeah. like you said, I don't know, like even in New York, like I would expect to kind of see more of that. And right now the city's kind of empty due to the pandemic and everything and it's the winter. But <laughs> the street's empty. <laughs> it's really empty. Like really? no one no one is here right now like I was just like walking around on a Saturday and there's barely anyone around it's kind of weird but yeah I don't know I, I I'm, I'm curious to see like what it's going to take to make that more normalized like I don't know yeah if it's maybe going to be the younger generation like not our generation but the generation below us to kind of bring it into because one thing where I see once you know it's kind of translated down is when you can see like school children adopting of that sort and so I feel like do you think it's different in in the UK I think like the school I go to is like and where I'm from it's very conservative um and like I go to a sixth form so we are all expected to wear suits even though I'm not the most creative <laughs> I'm definitely I come across as the most creative within my school because I I wear like colorful sort of suits and blazers and everyone else sticks to more like grays and blues and I think that's because like a lot of people just want to fit in and like stick to that sort of like masculine the stereotypes surrounding it and like wearing colors is seen as feminine definitely when like the average suit is like gray or black or or navy blue so I I honestly don't really see it Uh, I've got a couple of friends who are very like creative and like do I don't know like um, flame nail varnish but they're not in my area but I don't know like what the school kids are like over there I don't know if they're more like (laughs) if they're expressing themselves eat more yeah yeah I think one thing that's always interesting is that with American culture I feel like people are more open to talk about like topics like these and talk about how they can push the boundaries or those conversations that happen there in like your age demographic definitely in my age yeah definitely my age demographic we talk about pushing gender (laughs) boundaries and everything like that but I think as you were saying about like the UK it's like the older generations there I think less like definitely less open to talk about it like I'm wearing pearls right now but I would never go to my grand's I don't think wearing pearls because <laughs> she would see that as like a very feminine thing that's what she used to wear so why I think it'd be very weird for her to see a boy wearing it but like with Harry Styles and like our generation this is normal but obviously it's still more feminine considered feminine like you're not going to get every football player like <laughs> wearing a pearl necklace but it's more accepted within our generation. The old generations, definitely within the UK, no. I don't know about America. It's so funny. I saw a TikTok yesterday that was making fun of how everyone always says that Harry Styles is like a super fashion icon. And then they were showing a paparazzi uh, photo of him with Olivia Wilde. 
and they were zooming in on his outfit and it, like his socks don't match he has like a piece of paper taped to his shirt like it's, <laughs> and they were like fashion icons seen here well I feel yeah. like he's <laughs> idolized a lot yeah just for being this, like femme and I think it's yeah. also I'm actually interested to hear your opinion on this as well like why do you think Harry Styles is so popular out of One Direction he's definitely the most like open with like his sexuality and like how he expresses himself like I can't. I don't know the other names of the people other than Zane, but I know that he's <laughs> Zane's the only important one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the rest of them are relevant. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I can't imagine them wearing what Harry wears, and I think that's that's what sets him apart. And as well, obviously, his 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 music is very good, <laughs> and like he has been on Vogue. Um, he's done all of this stuff. I always think it's yeah. interesting. He, I think he did such a good transition going from boy band member yeah. <laughs> to uh, becoming a solo artist and then also kind of being known for his fashion. I think it's interesting how in the past couple of years, even like beauty standards for women, for example, very much uh, lean towards the Kardashians and being really curvy. And that's why you saw like the rise in Botox and having like a Brazilian butt lift, all of that. And I think we don't reflect as much on guys' beauty standards. And I think it's yeah. interesting how like exactly what you're saying before, I think it would have been, I remember when I was a teenager, Abercrombie and Fitch stores, you would have white ripped tan guys standing outside of the stores. And like, that's I saw that the other day. Right? Like, like a video on it. That's what was seen <laughs> yeah. as like the ultimate, like attractive guy at the time. The Justin Bieber haircut, that was a whole phase, you know? <laughs> and so I feel like maybe this is a new, I don't want to say a beauty standard, but new standard of attractiveness for guys. I've like noticed like with what you were saying I think there's been like a because like, I'm on like <laughs> my feed on TikTok is definitely fashion and um, beauty and I've seen like a lot of catwalks recently about like the, the fashion shows from Chanel in the 90s so I understand what you mean there like there's a lot of focus on like the chains from the 90s like the body types but then at the same time as well like I've been seeing a lot more fashion shows with like Versace, for instance, they had like a plus size model on there, like walking in her runway. So I definitely, there's definitely a change. Like <laughs> not everything is like Victoria's Secret anymore. Like yeah. how it used to be a couple of years ago, I guess. But like I saw it recently as well, which I thought was actually really cool. Gucci had this Down syndrome model. And I just thought like having that diversity and like more acceptance, I think that is really cool. Um, so yeah, hopefully more brands do that. And it's crazy to think that was only a couple of years ago, right? Well, the Victoria's Secret. Yeah, yeah, like the fact that that was like such a big thing and like the show was such a big thing and now they're completely on the outs. <laughs> At least culturally. The shades. Yeah. <laughs> so then do you think items in fashion or beauty should be gendered, like deemed as oh, this is a women's line or this is a men's line? No. <laughs> like, <laughs> I understand due to like sizes and everything, why you need women's clothes, why you need men's clothes. Like I look at unisex brands now and I think, but if that's a large for me, will that be, I mean, if that's a large for a girl, will that be like a small for me? So that confuses me. I, and I understand like why brands are gendered, but then at the same time, I think the styles, the colours, that... They don't, they don't have a gender, so they shouldn't <laughs> be portrayed as having a gender. But I, I understand why there's different lines for boys and girls. But I think the styles and like the outfits, that shouldn't be gendered. Definitely not. Yeah. What about beauty line? When I was doing a little bit of research before this podcast episode, 
I was looking at the fact that there's a difference between men's and women's skincare and stuff like that, even though I, I feel like aesthetically, like the packaging just looks different, but I'm sure they're all like very similar ingredients. Yeah, definitely. Like I've um, been sent, I, I've bought like um, products from Too Faced in the past. Mm-hmm. And then I've recently been sent products for like, I've got one right here. And honestly, I would never go into a shop and buy it because I just don't like the packaging, but that's a men's foundation. And it's like, oh, yeah. So it's a foundation and I wouldn't yeah. go into a store and buy that this is like a men's makeup brand that targets for men um, it's called for men but I would never go into a shop and buy that because in the past I have previously bought like Too Faced so I'm not like adverse to just like <laughs> sticking to because I'm a boy I should wear men's products and I feel like brands definitely should be promoting more gender neutral makeup I was thinking about it because I would love to have my own business when I'm older the main industry I want to go into is obviously fashion but I think if like money there was if I Kylie Jenner's money right now I'd honestly make a beauty brand but I wouldn't have it so it's just female or male I'd try and find a niche and like how I can make it unisex because I think Boys won't want to go into Too Faced, <laughs> into the Too Faced stores and see like loads of sweet peach packaging. <laughs> um, <laughs> or like, I can't remember the other, like the chocolate bar palettes. Like, I don't think they'll want that. But I, I know girls probably wouldn't want that. <laughs> so like, how can brands make it gender neutral? Like mirrored packaging, clear packaging? Because I know a lot more boys would want to do that. Like I liked Dior's makeup line, uh, the backstage line, mm-hmm. because that didn't, I looked at that and I didn't see a gender. However, I looked at the campaigns and there was no men. I don't think it was mm. just it was just Bella Hadid. So again, that's putting men off wanting <laughs> to buy it because they're only seeing women being promoted yeah. in the campaigns. How do you think gender and beauty has different implications within the UK versus the US? One thing I can think of is that whole trend that was like chav check. Well, that yeah, that is major difference. Okay, yeah. <laughs> But, a major but also <laughs> I think in the in the US there are people that do dress like that as well. Yeah, like, like New think, Jersey, yeah. Jersey Shore. Yeah. It's actually a thing. Like people dress like the British chav, the epitome of the British chav. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because like, you get like super fake tans and like their skin. Massive blocked like, eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> Alongside the the way people dress is like it influences the way people talk and like the way they do their makeup like their their beliefs and everything and honestly like 10 minutes down the road from me it's completely different like <laughs> what you're just talking about like do, do you say jersey shore geordie shore yeah G- yeah jersey shore yeah like but 10 I minutes know from what me shore is. Like oh god geordie shore that's that's something else <laughs> but yeah like 10 minutes from me it is that like standard of like the chav <laughs> but mm. where I'm from there's not that so it is crazy like how quickly like not that I mean like not that far away there's that massive change in how people will dress so then I know previously you mentioned to me on Instagram that you had written that paper um, <laughs> related to fashion and transparency supply chain so could you speak a bit about that um so I wrote it on how our consumer society is exploiting the garment workers from developing countries who obviously (laughs) are exploited for hours and hours a day to make clothes um, for like fast fashion and everything like that. And how we can work as a collective to overcome modern day slavery within the supply chains. So I literally wrote, I think it was 42 pages all on that alongside my levels, but (laughs) yeah, it it was very interesting. And I got to interview people. Um, I interviewed the, I interviewed the Baroness of Fawnsey, about like why she thinks like they are like a negative thing like the garment factories and like why we should abolish them and I wanted to have like an alternative opinion um 
and I interviewed Tim Wallstall, who's an economic he's an economic journalist and he's written for like Forbes and the New York Times. And obviously, because he's an economic journalist, he was looking at the garment factories as more of like an, an economic thing, like why we need them to support the, go, the global economy. Um, so yeah, it was interesting to see the two different perspectives on fast fashion and like the negatives, but also the positives. In the end, obviously, I concluded that <laughs> they aren't a good thing. Um, but just like the facts I found out and the stuff I the stuff I read about, um, for instance, like obviously these garment these garment workers they can't leave their stations when they're there for the whole day, and there was this woman who was pregnant and she had to give birth whilst <laughs> making the clothes. And I shouldn't laugh, but like it's something so crazy that we in our society we wouldn't think about, and it's shocking. And that is honestly shocking as well. Children as young as four have been seen making clothes. And they'll work 14 to 16 hours per day minimum. And obviously they can work all the way throughout the night as well. And we just take for granted so much about fast fashion. We can go into Primark. Please tell me you know what Primark is. Do you know? What- yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they actually have, they have one in the US. They have one in Boston. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> but you're going to Primark and you can buy t-shirts there for two pounds. I don't know how much that'd be in dollars, but that's very cheap, two pounds. Um, and we, we would just take that for granted. And it's, it's honestly, it was really shocking and it really opened my eyes to fast fashion. So I'm glad I wrote about it. And it's something I can talk about in my interview <laughs> at uni. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how did it change how you consume fashion? It's made me realise that the amount that we consume, we like, it's so unnecessary. I think on average, I think in like American dollars, it was like 160 on average, people spend $160 a month on clothes on average and it's like and like a majority of that was fast fashion so if that's fast fashion like the clothes are like five dollars a t-shirt like that's so many clothes that you just don't need at the end of the day and so i've definitely cut down on the amount of t-shirts i buy <laughs> and like i've definitely been more aware of like where they're made from um more like ethical fashion brands yeah yeah for sure so i've seen on your blog you have similar content as well and it's a lot uh, very <laughs> like look look at looking at fashion with a socially conscious lens so how yeah, do you yeah. feel about choosing what to write about and when to publish and things like that I made my blog as a uni portfolio so I had it in mind of like what I could write about that sounds academic to an extent like talking about <laughs> like socially and environmentally conscious fashion um, like the fur trade sustainability even the fashion industry ethical fashion obviously I've written other stuff as well about like trends but I wanted to focus on that yeah so my creative process is literally obviously I, I try and cater it so I know what people will want to read about such as like the fashion trends at the minute and obviously my blog is a menswear blog I don't I don't write about women's fashion I try and cater it to what people will actually want to read because <laughs> about like how consistent I write with write on my blog it definitely needs to be more consistent okay I understand that but having the responsibility of head boy and like writing this newspaper as well alongside it plus tiktok plus revising it was honestly so much have i, I wrote um, an article the other day about the gucci times north face collaboration and obviously mm. that's on trend at the minute so that's going to obviously cater towards like a large mainstream audience but like stuff about sustainability i think people who are interested in that will read it but i think a lot of people obviously aren't interested in it at the end of the day they're still going out there buying fast fashion and from sheen <laughs> i'm proud to say i've never bought anything from sheen so. <laughs> <laughs> who who's the demographic for the audience um you can't actually see that on my like, analytics there but i can see like how many people view it a month mm-hmm. a week um 
like I don't post for it as regularly as I can so it's not and like the numbers aren't as huge as my TikTok um I, I remember when I first posted my first ever blog which was oh god it was yeah this time last year in the very first day I had um two and a half thousand people see it but I've, obviously over time because I'm not as consistent it's gone down um but then when I do post like a lot of people do read them so, uh, like I think like 800 every time and like that is still a lot for a blog because I'm not expecting everyone to go <laughs> to go and type in zachkeith.com but like so that is still a lot and like I'm really like glad that people want to read that but I think that's why I want to focus more on TikTok it's because like I know a lot my content can reach a huge amount of people and I know my blog it's more like the people who just follow me on my Snapchat and my Instagram they will only get they will only get notifications I've posted once once I've like put it on those platforms and obviously with Instagram only the people who follow follow you will see your stuff Mm. but I think with TikTok obviously you can see a huge amount of people from wherever and follow them which I think is amazing because you can grow your platform so much quicker and easier right yeah (laughs) cool well one last question we like to ask all of our guests is what is your favorite statement piece fashion or beauty wise oh god um you know what I've never thought about this that's very good question um actually thinking about it my it's not my favorite thing but my like the stuff that I will always wear is like a black turtleneck (laughs) I guess that's like my statement or it doesn't have to be black but just a turtleneck yeah yeah that's probably my statement and I love a good pair of shoes and bags but I don't have a specific particular one but yeah, my probably statement piece is a turtleneck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, thank you, thank you so for much. having me. Yeah, <laughs> thank you so much. Glad you chose me um, to be on this to be on this podcast. Well, loved that discussion. I think Zach is so cool, and not just because he's British. <laughs> really think he's so confident and well spoken for being so young. I agree, and I feel like it's really respectable of him to do something that hasn't been produced in that space I don't think you really see natural men's beauty out there and I'm glad someone is taking it upon themselves to popularize it especially as we see gender fluidity more so in entertainment and fashion and hopefully more so in the beauty space and that is our season finale folks (laughs) for listening that's three seasons we're going to be taking a week hiatus and we will be back with some exciting new episodes Stay tuned. We have some interesting guests and interesting topics coming your way. If you do miss listening to the podcast, you can listen to some of our old episodes <laughs> on all podcast streaming platforms, in addition to our YouTube and TikTok. Also, if you really miss Catherine's voice, she is now Twitch streaming. So find her <laughs> over there. I am. I am. I made affiliate status yesterday, which means I can start getting paid for my streams. Play chess with me on Twitch. <laughs> Okay, that's all for now, folks. Do 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 do. Hey.